0: Hello everyone, welcome back to the Open Bar Experience. I am your host, David Thackeray. I'm a hospitality professional with two decades of experience in the bar and restaurant industry. My pursuit in this podcast is to have difficult conversations of our industry and of society as a whole. So a friend of mine suggested that I watch a cooking show on Netflix it's called uh, chef table and she watches it all the time because it, it inspires her and I was over at her place uh, helping out with some uh, some consulting work and because um, that's what she does she has a consulting firm this Jojo Martinez and uh, it was a plane on the TV and I just remember looking at it and watching it for a little bit. The the sound was turned off and um, and it just visually caught my attention because it was so well shot and edited and there was so much talent in the emotion of the storytelling. And this is without any audio, so you can imagine. If you haven't watched it, you, you should. And so... After a few weeks, you know, I thought about it and, and I figured, okay, let me, let me check out one of these shows and see, because I really got turned off by cooking shows, you know, um, and I hate to, to put Gordon Ramsay there, but he, you know, his, his shows are so intense and so much screaming and stuff like that. I think he's a really talented chef. I appreciate what he, what he does. I do use some of his recipes sometimes. And more importantly, I learn from his uh, techniques and uh i think he his experience on tv makes him a great chef to learn from on that medium right on the uh on videos tv and, and things like that so you know i hate to just trash him but his show was really intense and you know it was a lot of screaming and shouting and all that bullshit that uh, we are working so hard to get rid of in this industry but that was what i thought of cooking shows and then Whenever I saw this chef's table, I started to think, okay, let me check it out. So I watched one of the shows and man, I was hooked. And the thing is, is I didn't watch like the first one of the season and I didn't watch the first season. I just kind of went through and I think it was like European, it was desserts and the desserts were stunning. I think the first one that I might have watched was in Spain. And it was this guy that had lost his voice and um, the storytelling—it's incredible because he's hard to to hear, listen to because his voice is so low. And um, but they tell the story, you know, through other people in his life and with visuals. And I'm telling you, the visuals are intense in how they're shot, how the slow motion, the focus, you know, the uh, the that that creamy. Um, out of focus in the background, so it calls attention to the one specific item. And I gotta tell you, man, I got hooked because it is really truly inspiring. What some people are doing out there is exactly what a lot of us get into the industry for. And as an artist, that's what you want to be able to do you want to break boundaries and do the kind of stuff that other people aren't doing. Um, that it in, lives in your in your head, but you always come across the problem of the the managers and the owners. And this guy was uh, one of the brothers, three brothers that owned a restaurant, and he was one of the owners, co-owners per, per se. But he still needed to get the approval of the other brothers because that's how you run a business. It's, you know, it has got to be consensus. And so. You know, the more he started to do, the more they realized that he had a talent for this and he was, you know, he went on with being extremely creative, but it's really inspiring to see the things that they do, the kind of desserts that he was coming up with, the ingredients, and not just that, but the inspiration for them. And and that's what an artist does, right? So in that, I started to look at other shows, and one of them is street foods from Latin America it may be from the same producers i haven't looked at the names but the way that it's shot is very similar the storytelling is very storytelling is is very very similar because it really absorbs you and, and engulfs you in that in in that moment right and in the context at the same time it's beautiful so you know i'm watching one and this is from peru and uh, there's this uh, el pescado el toki or toki. Uh, it's it's a, it's like a Peruvian ceviche type of place. Because according to some of the people interviewed, the Peruvians love their food mix. So they like their rice, um, you know, like their yellow rice and ceviche or uh, sashimi type food cl- next to one another um and so i'm watching this one and uh this guy had he's telling his story he was always missing his father because his father was always at work his father had owned multiple restaurants throughout his his years growing up and um, he had one that was very famous in peru and um, that he eventually went on to to work at it, he after going through you know to school for many years as a dishwasher and then his father got sick and he took over and then eventually his father passed away and all of a sudden he's holding this restaurant that he never really had necessarily a part in conceiving so he was in his thing so he closes it and opens a different one but the thing is is that today we're going through so much hardship in this uh, industry that what it made me think about in this story was, you know, as a kid and even as an adult, he's saying how his father was never around. And his, I, I think that his father was like many other fathers, like many other parents, mothers and fathers, right, that understand one fundamental and and sobering reality and that is that they uh, they have to provide for the family so it's it's a trade-off right because sometimes providing for the family means you know working 12 hour days sometimes even longer than that with travel time and you know it it, it just to me made me think of that because as right now we have a situation in, in this country where Politicians will take their time arguing their side and their point and getting what they want that people are going broke. This the this industry has suffered a lot because businesses are going out, you know, because you have this shutdown, then you have a half-ass reopening, every state is different um then you have a partial uh, shutdown again and then you have these rules that are constantly changing some restaurants pivot and 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 reimagine themselves very quickly and then states come up with more rules or different rules that it's sort of like you have this infinite budget to <clears throat> to reimagine yourself and and not just that but but you know we always make everything here in the United States about money. And it's like, what about the time? If you've ever opened a restaurant, then you know that the money is one thing. It's hard enough to come up with the money, but the time that you put into it and the stress, because there's so many little moving parts that you have to consider. That it's opening the restaurant, it's a feat in itself. And then you're open, you know, in, 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 infinitely, right? Until until you close your doors, you don't know when that is. But point is, is that whenever you pivot, it's almost like reopening because you're changing the way that you've been doing business, that you've been, you know, the flow that you've had, you just, you know, had to disrupt that or it was disrupted. And now you have to ha- create another flow. And here we are in December, and the congress is about to go in another recess they've had two recess, recesses since the last stimulus right one in the summer another one in early fall they took the time to confirm a supreme court nominee that was not necessary that that has not helped the economy it has not gotten rid of COVID. it hasn't done anything to change the way we live not yet anyways that is a long term but they didn't even really talk much about the the stimulus and the thing is is yesterday i think it was i saw on michael rapaport in his twitter account he posted something where in australia people were partying having a massive party because it had been either eight weeks or eight months i don't know right now I'll have to look it up before since they've had a single uh, COVID case. So they've been with zero COVID cases for that amount of time, long enough for them to say, okay, we got rid of it. And because of that, they were out partying, no mask, and, you know, having a a jolly time. But let me tell you what their government did. Their government did a complete shutdown. Okay. They gave uh, a... uh, a grant of thirty thousand dollars to every business. They gave fifteen hundred dollars uh a week, I think it was, to um businesses for their employees. So their the businesses are paying through their payroll it was going into the for the employees. And uh and like I said it was it was a complete shutdown and there were a few other things that they did um, for for people. And now they're I wanna say it was eight months uh, without a, uh, a single COVID case. So they just got rid of it. And then the next thing is for them to open the country up because they also closed the airports. So now I think it's uh, New Zealand, which again <laughs> had a, a great response in certain parts of China. And you would think, ooh, China, that's where it came from. Yeah, but China actually did also a complete shutdown um, people were required to wear masks, and um, and so they got rid of the shit. Over here, we have politicized the uh, wearing of mask, and so people are arguing whether or not they should they should wear it, even though their studies now finally coming out. Because that's the other part, right? It's a novel coronavirus, novel being but they hadn't seen this before. So back in March, April, May, there weren't any studies. The entire world was responding to treating people right, with COVID. And so they were collecting data, but there wasn't that much effort put into processing that data and what it means. Well, now there's enough time and, and, and just enough time and data for them to realize that, okay, wearing a mask does make a difference because it slows down the spread from the individual that that has covid if he's wearing a mask it slows down the spread if the person that doesn't have covid is wearing a mask it also protects them from that so if you have less going out and the mask protects you from more than what is going out then there you go but yet here we are in december what nine months into covid crisis pandemic and people still want to bullshit about whether it's real or not. You know, and so it's 8 months. Here we go. I just uh it's a it's a COVID post-COVID uh festival where they haven't had a COVID case in over 8 months. Now, you know, uh, again, my point with all of this is that as families suffer and as head of households are worried about how they' are going to provide, we have no leadership here. Institutions have been brought down by the the you know billionaire. <laughs> and this is a terrible thing to happen, but without getting too much into the politics of it, the reality is that I'm sure there's a lot of people, a lot of some of you that are worried about income and i'm just saying i'm right there with you because it is difficult to go back to to this industry right bars or restaurants and feel completely comfortable and it's like you're working twice as hard two three four times harder for a lot less money and um and that's worrisome. I mean we we you know we work in this industry in commission essentially, right? Because, you know, let, let's say for the sake of argument, they still most places are giving you two thirteen an hour. So the tips, right, is sort of like a commission on your service. So there's insurance salesmen that make zero salary, they just make hundred percent commission, you know, or a car salesman might get minimum wage unless he does his commissions, right? So we're doing the same thing. We don't call it that, but that's what they are essentially. And so, but we also accept no benefits. We're like contractors. So we have no health benefit during a pandemic. We have uh, no uh, income uh, protection from any type of insurance. We have unemployment. Unemployment is about to run out. And uh, let me tell you, unemployment is like one good weekend night. (laughs) What you get for two weeks in Texas is about one good night uh, on a weekend at at a busy bar. And that's it. And they expect you to get by on that. So if you didn't have any savings, then you're worried. And I know. And so I just want to say... I hear you, and I'm right there with you.
1: Let me say this, let me say this, I've been thinking about this too. Father's Day is the worst holiday in the world. I've done the research, I already know. Let me tell you something. Mother's Day is the second most celebrated holiday in the world. Christmas is first, so that means it's Jesus, then your mama. You know what Father's Day fall at? Number 20. I can't think of 18 other holidays. <laughs> Do you realize Halloween is number six? Does that mean ghosts and goblins go before fathers? <laughs> All day is number 13. I don't even know what that is. I just know it comes before me, that's crazy. <laughs> Columbus Day is number 16. Celebrating Columbus Day is like celebrating somebody finding money in your house. <laughs> Where well, you get that $50 from? I discovered it in your kitchen. <laughs> Ridiculous. Fathers, and I, and it's mother's fault. It's mother's fault, cause see, when Mother's Day come around, fathers go in they pocket deep. Go in their pocket, de- hey, I want to get my mama something. You cash that money out. You know what mothers do? Hey, I want to get daddy something. Well, go in that car. It's some change in my little cup holder in there. <laughs> Don't nobody even have a sale for Father's Day. Who has a Father's Day sale? Mother's Day sale, is like 30 of them. Everybody have Mother's Day sale. Don't nobody have no Father's Day sale. Who has a Father's Day sale? The dollar store. <laughs> That's how you get water holes and jumper cables for Father's. And the stores know this, because now the stores got a little trick for fathers. They make little packages, Where they, a little box, they give you suspenders, socks, and a shirt. One box. And you know what kids do? They give you that stuff throughout the year. They give you that shirt for Father's Day, them socks for your birthday, and then they just randomly give you something else as, you know, they think about it. It's crazy. Father's Day sucks, and I'm a father. I did all this work to be a father for it to suck.
0: Make sure that you listen to the very end because uh, I got an announcement to make that is going to be dramatic. It's going to be incredible. It is going to change uh, nothing, you know. It's an announcement. So stay tuned. All right. So this week with uh, Matt. we are doing a pick three on desserts. Uh, I, myself, am going to add uh, in there a bit of uh, eggnog, but uh, the Puerto Rican kind. So, But we'll get to that at the end. So, Matt, right what on. do you got for us uh, this week?
2: So, I kind of wanted to focus in on one specific class of desserts, and that is the egg tart, the egg custard desserts. I kind of first got like really turned on to them when I was in Portugal, and they do the pastéis de nata, which is like a flaky um, pastry dough filled with egg custard, and the top gets baked really hard, and it gets uh, nice and caramelized, and you have this like Texture difference between the outside skin that gets all caramelized and cooked and the inside that's just liquid, hot magma and just beautiful and rich and decadent and ridiculous. Wow. Spiky buttery crust. Yeah, it's like anything, everything you want in a pastry, in a dessert, in like a game ender. And yeah, all rolled into one.
0: Okay, so you got to explain this to me a little bit because whenever you say custard desserts, I'm thinking flan and I'm thinking creme brulee. So exactly. Explain so this to me these, in that context.
2: Most of these will have more of a creme brulee kind of uh, texture. I think flan gets a little bit more jell-y, Yeah. if I may say so. Yeah. But, so this one's definitely going to be more of the creme brulee, but the temperature is going to be hot all the way through instead of kind of cold with just like the blowtorch on the top so my first place that I wanted to talk about um, is ECK which is Egg Custard King they're mm. out on the wet side on Bel Air or just off of Bel Air uh, every day 10 to 5 and they do something very similar to the Portuguese style pastel de nata and it's uh, very similar like flaky pastry dough egg custard in the middle um, they're sold kind of out of the bakery case so they're not hot when you get them you can heat them up like at at your house which I highly recommend so you get all like the wonderful beautiful textural differences and they're just to die for and they're super affordable like ridiculous I think they might be a dollar a dollar each yeah so you can go in there with uh, a tenner and really do some damage to yourself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they also do some really nice uh, savory stuff. They do like a barbecue pork puff. So kind of flaky pastry dough. Uh, stuff, but like a Vietnamese-style um style, uh, dung, so that barbecue-style Vietnamese pork. Um, So kind of in the same area, my second pick for egg custard-style desserts is mine. They've been around for a while, and for me, I went a few times before ever getting arm twisted into ordering dessert, which I usually don't do because they have a huge menu and everything there is so good, but the dessert is an absolute go-to, have to do it every time now. It's a lava toast, so it's a French toast that's stuffed with egg custard and topped with, like, a sweetened, condensed... hot, sweetened, condensed milk. And you get that little bit of, like, crunchy texture from the French toast. And right as you cut into it, it just gushes out with this, like, hot, creamy, beautiful, rich egg custard. And it's to die for. It is absolutely magical. It is a work of art. <laughs> it's an emotion.
0: So, that's what area not, town is this again?
2: So, this is going to be uh, Asia Town, down uh, there, going towards okay. Beltway on the southwest side. Gotcha. Um, yeah, and like I said, it's always tough. So that's one of those places where pre-COVID we would always love to go with just a huge group of people and order a bunch of stuff and eat family style. Um, unfortunately, now it's not super um, doable, but they do have takeout and you can kind of get it to go take it back home and, you know, eat family style with the people closest to you. Uh, That's... my third pick is La Sicilia. I think I've mentioned them before. And if I haven't, I've been doing you a great disservice <laughs> because this is definitely one of my top bakeries in the city right now uh, they do, I forget the actual like Italian name of it but it's a creme brulee donut basically You're so kidding. donut, nice yeasty, pillowy soft and in the center is this egg custard that's blowtorched and you get that perfect like crispy, sweet caramelized layer that has just that slight bit of crunch to it Oh, it is actually <laughs> magnificent. It is transcendent. It will open your third eye. You wow. must go it tomorrow.
0: Wow. Okay, but going. Okay, what side of town are they on?
2: So they're going to be right in the Montrose, about a block away from Katz's.
0: Oh really? Uh-huh. Where where the torchies is?
2: Um, I think we're. Oh, damn. Right across from where Indica used to be. Indica and Dolce
0: Vita. Oh, going headed the other way, away from Montrose. Yeah. Okay. Going
2: back but the town.
0: Yeah, that used to be Sovino, I think, over there, or unless it's in the shopping center.
2: It is in the shopping center, so okay. there's like another like little donut shop or something right next to it, and... Um,
0: damn, okay, yeah. taking it to the next level.
2: Like a spa or something. Uh, But, yeah, they are absolutely killing it. Um, They just picked up a new baker. Uh, I think she's on Instagram, Christine Au, A-U, or something like that. Uh But she does some really beautiful, intricate stuff. So I never really get there early enough to get some of the the really pretty, cool stuff that they do. Uh, They do tend to sell out throughout the day of stuff. So I would highly recommend getting there early, if at all possible.
0: Okay, so wait a second. I'm I'm still having a little bit of trouble with the the Portuguese um, uh, dessert, as you say, the custard. Because if it's a custard, how is it? Is it wrapped in dough or? Uh,
2: so think of it as like a little mini pie. So they've got kind of like that flaky uh pastry dough on the bottom lining like a little cup uh-huh. and then fill it with the custard and then bake them off
0: okay okay so it does it have that pie uh uh structure uh, you know the is, is, it, a, is it the <laughs> same type of flaky flaky but, uh, uh buttery you know crust? exactly
2: but in miniature so it's not like going to be a Dense, I would say, is like an American pie dough. It's going to be more of like a flaky kind of Danish or croissant. Very oh. buttery, very like layers. It will kind of get that little shatter going on, especially when they're fresh.
0: Is it like filo pastry?
2: Very, yeah, very, very similar, yeah. I would gotcha. say that's a really good comparison.
0: Oh, wow. Now that really got me intrigued. So, okay, well, man, all those places sound really incredible, Uh, especially, as always, the one in the inner loop sounds more interesting than anything else.
2: (laughs) Of course. Yeah, (laughs) right under our nose. Yeah,
0: exactly. The travel time is like 10 minutes. Uh, (laughs) No, but Chinatown, I used to head out there a lot um, in years past, and um, recently I I really haven't. But definitely uh, post-COVID, that's going to be a destination that uh, i'm gonna have to make it on a weekly basis
2: absolutely man especially yeah once this all blows over we're gonna have to blow it out and see if we can black out a menu somewhere
0: <laughs> sounds good so my addition to this is especially talking about like custards is the um the coquito right Oh uh, yes because it's, it's got a lot of those elements, but it stays in the liquid form. And, and part of it is because it's, it's got high-proof uh, rum. And coquito, for those of you who don't know, it's, uh, it's essentially a, a tropical uh, eggnog. There's a lot of different versions of eggnogs that around the world uh, based on what the local uh, ingredients are. And uh, they have different names. But essentially, it's the same. It's going to be some sort of uh, milk. Egg, uh, and uh, and sugar, uh, with some sort of spice, and in Puerto Rico is going to be with coconut uh, condensed cream of coconut, condensed milk, um, and uh, evaporated milk. Those three together, within, with then with uh, rum and lots of cinnamon. You could also put like clove and anise in it. But the main thing on there, traditionally, was made with cañita. And cañita, the other name of it is pitorro, which is a moonshine of of sugarcane that you put those spices in, anise, uh, clove, cinnamon. You let it sit from Christmas to Christmas. And that shit gets so smooth, it's dangerous because you'll drink a couple of sips of it and it is 150, 160 proof. But you put that in the coquito so you do little shots of it. It's, if you're thinking of like condensed milk, egg yolk, uh, I think I forgot to mention that. It's got egg yolk in it, condensed milk, evaporated milk, uh, cream of coconut. Well, when you put the, the pitorro on there, well, you don't have to drink a whole lot of that because that's a lot of fucking calories, sugar, all that kind of stuff. And it's yeah. always grandma's favorite thing to to sip because one or two of them, and she's done for the night.
2: Have you ever tried making a vegan version?
0: Yes, I have. Because I get asked to, uh, to make it for uh, family friends, and they don't always oh, drink it for a long period. They, they want it to last past January. And I'm like, well, then I'm going to... Well, not vegan, not completely vegan, but I do take out the uh the egg yolk and I do some egg white. Um okay. but not vegan. I would like to do one with uh oat milk.
2: I was thinking like how would you go about getting that like nice kind of rich consistency
0: and texture? Reducing it? I I mean if if right now that you mentioned it and I really haven't thought about it much, I would think I I would use oat milk, the coconut milk. Um and then uh, rum, uh, I don't know how with thicken it other than reducing it. And then right before I serve it, I would blend it to air it out. And it would give it that fluff. I like it. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. And then the, the sweetened part, well, then you have to use, if you want to put some funk in it, uh, use coconut sugar, you know, uh, palm sugar and uh, that stuff. It's incredible because it's dark. It's is kind of a little caramel, but it's got a, a real funk to it, nearly like uh, a Haitian or Jamaican rum does. Um, and oh, I think. now you're talking my language. Yeah, and so I think that type of sugar, and it's it is it is like um like brown sugar that is really sticky. You know, uh, I think that would also add to the texture of it. Um, and then you whatever your favorite rum is but it, high proof rum works best at least with the other version because it's so dense and like i said if you want to catch a buzz a little buzz while you're hanging out with family and, 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 and christmas then and you don't want to drink a whole lot of this stuff because <laughs> it's it's heavy duty then uh, doing overproof having a shot or two and and being done with it but it's incredibly delicious
2: so you mentioned using a, like a high-proof sugar cane, almost moonshine. I'm curious about the flavor of that. Is that going to be closer to kind of like a Jamaican rum where you get a lot of the funky, fruity esters?
0: Oh, no, no, no. I'm, I'm What I'm saying to you is that tr- that was the tradition. It is moonshine. It, has, it is not like moonshine. It is moonshine. So oh, okay. you can't get it, right? You can only get it in the island. You can still probably get it on the island in some places. But, I mean, this was hoosh. It, this was like the 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 illegal hooch that you would get for Christmas, uh, right. and yeah, so <laughs> so now I mean I use like Don Q, uh, the the uh, 151 because uh, Bacardi I think they stopped making theirs. Uh, I've used uh, El Dorado, uh, which has more of a sugar cane uh, taste to it. Uh, I've used um, Ray and Nephew, um, Smith and Cross would do well. Yeah. I mean, I I play with the stuff that is anything that's, you know, 110 proof and above. And fortunately, there's a lot. The one that I've been using the last few uh, holidays, Christmas, has been the, um, God, now I forgot the the name of it. Something in Suns. Shit. Now I put my foot in my mouth because I can't remember what the name of it is. But it's a recent uh, product from an old version of rum. But yeah, you, you can play around with it, and I I like darker, richer, uh, fuller flavor rums with it, and then you have to play with balancing it. Um, so yeah, that would that would be that would be my my thing. I mean, if I would not that it was it was pretty much close to Everclear. I think it would hit 160 proof. So right before Everclear, and once you get past 160 proof, that's whenever you lose a lot of the uh, the flavor, right? The the spirit becomes so light that it doesn't hold on to uh, any other flavor. So it was still flavorful um, for a base. And, uh, and then people would put, like I said, like the spices. So you could still do that because there are clear rums um that are that high proof just throw some cinnamon but i mean it'd be too late for right now but throw some cinnamon and 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 anise and clove in there and let it sit for a year
2: um yeah i'm ready i need a bottle yesterday
0: yeah yeah and it's it always starts right around the um thanksgiving which uh we need to redo that 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 holiday, but we're just gonna keep that for right now. But it's it's Thanksgiving, whenever you start, people start making it and and passing it around, type of thing.
2: Gotcha, man. Speaking of different rums, the one that I've really been into lately is a another Jamaican rum, Rum Bar. They do a nice white overproof as well.
0: Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, they they have, and so those are the guys from uh, uh, Worthy Park. Uh, the ones that do oh, gotcha. um, Appleton and so yeah that, that's that's a great rum the, their clear rum is, is really really good very flavorful it's, it's it's got that that pure that representation of, of the funk of Jamaican rum without the uh, without the aging
2: yeah and almost like a nice kind of vegetal like grassy note to it too yeah so I think it's cool.
0: Yeah, we we did a, a tasting of it with the rep at High and Dry when I was there uh, last uh, spring. I think it was spring 2020 uh, right. or something like that. Yeah, the one that you you that I do not do and you should not do is plantation. Plantations were places of uh, rape, murder, and oppression.
2: I agree. Yeah, that's. Uh... But that's, I think maybe have you covered that topic? Have we talked about that?
0: Yeah, actually, I, I did a, uh, an episode, uh, you know, earlier this summer uh, about how that name it's it's unnecessary because it's too problematic for even the times. I mean, this is not like we're talking a hundred year old uh, uh, um, rum brand. Is you know, it was in the nineties, and. Um, uh- and interesting that you bring that up because right now I'm looking at Ashton Berry. She's putting some stuff up about Reappeal Day and Prohibition. And um, and it's a good topic because what people don't realize is that Prohibition came about not just the temperance movement, but the the it, that temperance movement got a push from the KKK and from uh, evangelicals. Evangelicals because they wanted more control over uh society they had lost their protestants that that lost some of that control after the civil war um kkk they didn't like chinese immigrants coming through and they didn't like the fact that so many different types of people were mingling at bars right and you get you're getting people now getting to understand one another and then uh the temperance movement well that was the only one that to me really was was worthy of a cause which was the ones that women were getting abused and killed at home because men were drinking twice as much as what the individual drinks today so you think people binging dr- getting drunk these days is something back then we were doing it that much worse Thanks. yeah yeah but no I've, I've covered the 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 topic a bit and um and i think that we need to start being aware of those things because the way that history is contextualized is is leans one way takes away a lot from what other people have contributed in in global and, and especially in american history
2: yeah i just, you said it well my man said it well
0: <laughs> but uh, but i love the fact that you wanted to do desserts those places sound pretty amazing um and of course being the holidays we kind of we we let our our diets Slip away a little bit, and uh, for those people that, that are concerned with that, and you know, and some people should because, uh, like you know, you reach a certain age, you gotta start watching your sugar, um, and and it's 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 important to to make sure that you're eating the good stuff. Don't waste your time on shitty desserts.
2: Hey Amen. <laughs> Life is too short for shitty desserts. You're exactly. Gonna- yeah, if you're going to have a cheat
0: day, make it a cheat day. Make it worthwhile. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, I, I want to give, though, honorable, honorable mention to because uh, You know, we kind of talked a little bit about this offline. was uh, I think they've been really consistent. I think they, they've done a good job overall. And their desserts always look good, taste good, and so does their coffee. I mean, I mostly go there for the coffee. coffee's been solid for a really long time and they do good desserts.
2: Yeah, you know what? I was just thinking about what we were going to talk about next time we get together, but you had mentioned kind of everyone letting themselves go a little bit over the holidays. I think maybe next week um, some vegetarian or vegan options.
0: Let's do it because uh, vegan uh, and vegetarian options are two things that have come a long way since i started in the industry and you know early 90s when i started in the industry man like you wanted vegetarian veggie plate they take sides throw them on a a single plate and here you go that's your veggie plate like you were screwed (laughs) vegan it was like sorry but everything's got butter you know and and (laughs) you know the peas got butter the green beans got butter uh you name it it's got butter um but I think that in the, the last decade, uh, but in particular, my exposure in the last five years has been to uh, a couple of chefs that are that enjoy doing vegan food and are incredibly talented. And you could have, you know, a dish, and and not know it, and really say, "Damn, this is the best thing I've ever had." And then they go, "Yeah, it's vegan," and it just blows your mind away. I think I mentioned to you, like I was in New York, had some nachos, black bean. Uh, uh, dip on it like the, the nachos you know the ways they were worked up had some black bean on it and it had other stuff but that's the only part I remember and it was some of the best nachos I've ever had and it was vegan that's, that's impressive it was that's a Tex-Mex impressive. vegan restaurant who does yeah, that I
2: love, I love that I love being absolutely surprised just kind of reading like a you know menu description and not really noticing that there's no protein or no meat and it coming out and i'm like oh wow this is yeah this is completely vegan this is delicious though
0: yeah did um yeah it's 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 definitely a a uh, a culinary um uh, spectrum or, or side or uh you know the side of of the culinary world that i haven't really explored much and i hope that it continues to, to make its way into just your regular restaurant. And I think that's just a function of more people working with chefs that um, have that talent and that would hopefully permeate throughout other restaurants.
2: Yeah, I think now you've started to see a lot of em- chefs that are embracing kind of the challenge of working within certain parameters and having to be creative to create certain, like, flavors and textures and, you know, richness without using the traditional, like, you know, fat and
0: meat. Yeah, I mean, for sure. <laughs> and it's funny because, like, again, uh, you know, have my... my. Uh, career it was with chefs that were just throwing shit at you every time you even came to up to the expo to ask them it was like hey so uh this guy wants a vegan you know and first off like mo- uh, uh, most of the staff didn't even know what vegan was That that was just wasn't a common word and uh and in addition to that it was like oh fuck now everybody's racking their brain and it's like what do we have that's vegan and to to the point right now that it's like some vegan items make it onto the menu because they're that good
2: yeah well i've got some homework to do for the next time we talk
0: all right all right uh i'll I'll give you uh yeah and uh i I got a few spots that i've had some really good stuff and uh, uh we'll talk about that too right
2: on man well always a pleasure and looking forward to doing it again next time all right thank you man
0: All right, so a few things to talk about. Uh, one of them is for all of you that like to keep up with the news, I got to give a shout out to Texas Tribune. I think they have been doing a great service um, to journalism and in particular to Texas. Um, I find articles there that are very balanced. Um, and uh, and sometimes that's a little hard to, to, that's definitely hard to find these days. But especially living in a in a very conservative state, um, you either have very liberal or you have very conservative, mostly very conservative articles or media journalism, I should say. Texas Tribune has been doing a really good job. They have an article that I found really interesting. I wanted to mention, which is in the uh, uh, about Latino and like um, the the Latino electorate. One of the interesting things is that the author was saying how and I'll put a link to this article uh, on the comment section. But the author was talking about how everyone thinks that the Latino vote is the sleeping giant. The Texas, Texas in particular, the Texas Latino vote is the sleeping giant. And she says that's a misconception because that's not true at all. A sleeping giant would, would suggest that part of the electorate, the Latino electorate that is not voting is not keeping up with or connected with politics or political news. And what she found in her research was that the Latino uh, electorate, Latino here in, in Texas the citizens are very aware of politics, very aware of the news and even to very aware of some of the nuances that are occurring they just don't think that their vote is going to make a difference and so that is terrible because obviously there is always that push right to make some people feel like their vote doesn't count and then there's other people that are made to feel like their vote is a duty. And that is the reason why things are so wonderful, is because they vote. So it's an interesting article. Like I said, it's it's a, it's a good read. Um, check it out. The, uh, I again, goes with my entire thesis about Latinos in, in the United States, that we have been convinced to accept a second-class citizenship that uh, doesn't allow um, or doesn't need our participation. And because of that, we are relegated to accepting one of two outcomes, which has to do with the black-white narrative that has been going on for so long. And so if if you lean one side, then that's where you're supposed to go. If you lean the other side, that's where you're supposed to go there but talking about the Latino diversity is one of the things I'm going to do in the next episode. Um, Because as I mentioned before, Latinos may come from countries that are, have experienced dictatorships and we may come from countries that have experienced communism or total socialism. Right. Um, And because of that, that is the type of, uh, of upbringing that we get you know ideals from our parents that are passed down are based on that um, reality that they experience or their parents experience but they have a certain paradigm that they they teach uh, their children from um and and that's not even adding into it the the blanqueamiento which is you know how white is how close to europe is your family Versus how close to Africa is your family or how close to the indigenous uh, people um, of your region is your family. And that there are multiple, you know, because it could be Mayan, it could be Inca, it could be Taino, it could be Arakawan. So as you can tell, these you start combining all of these different things and you have a lot of different, um, different people with different ideas and different perceptions and different experiences in life. So that's one. The next thing is uh, if you are planning, if you have decided that you're not going to go out for the holidays because COVID-19 is a reality. And, uh, you know, recently I've been hearing a lot from um, uh, hospital workers um, and uh, people in the, in the medical field. And they're the ones that have to sit there with people dying and not being able to spend time with their with their family and today I was listening to uh, an NPR piece where this doctor was saying how <clears throat> because he's the person there with the the elderly person or the person that's dying of COVID, they're the ones holding the phone for them so they can have a, a Zoom chat with their family on those last moments. Um, they're the ones that these people ask them to call someone for them and tell them something right in in other words their their final rights their final wishes Um, and and, and they're so busy that sometimes they're not able to and that weighs on them so you know be safe out there and um, you know COVID is still taking people uh, away, killing them and um, look up at the story of i'm gonna look them up right now because there's an nba player who lost seven members of his family to covid 19 including his mother and that is something that is not the first time that i've heard that um i have family extended family that that has happened to to where um a cousin extended family and cousin Um uh, husband dies uh, a few days later his mother dies a few days later his sister dies um, then his sister's husband and then his mother his father and that is all in the spans of two weeks so that extended cousin of mine experienced five losses within two weeks and that is severe right and uh um, and as much as you want to say it's not happening to me, it's happening to someone and that person exists in our, in our global community, if not in our immediate community. So, and the uh, NBA uh, player, uh, his name is uh, Carr Anthony Towns. And um, you should look it up, you know, read up that story and, um, and get it together. But if you stay in home, there's always cocktail menus um, cocktail videos out there you can make a few at home um, there's uh, unfortunately I don't have any for you but if I did that would be incredible <laughs> but there's a lot of uh, videos out there for you to make cocktails at home and if you want them to like to, to look good um, one suggestion, and you're here in, in Houston or even in the Texas uh, area, region, um, give uh, Big Ice a call and uh, I'll put their contact also in the comment section. But uh, they have uh, small packets of um, like six or eight uh, pieces of, uh, of ice, whether it is for your Collins or your old-fashioned uh, glasses or even the, uh, the spheres. Um so you know you can have a little bit of that, that cocktail feeling uh, while you're at home and uh, they even do uh, have some uh, I think bottled cocktails or they will but either way I mean the point here is that you don't need to be going out into places with a bunch of uh, people and uh, you know fucking shit up that's it you know that's pretty simple isn't it so um, big Ice, that's going to be, yeah, 3901 Barnes Lane. And that's in Houston, Texas. Uh, give, them a, uh, give them a call. And um... and lastly, it's my big announcement. And that is that I am ending this podcast, The Open Bar Experience. I am near 100 episodes. Uh, I got a few more before I get there. And I think that I have achieved my objective with this podcast. Uh, This podcast was my first venture into it. There was a lot that I needed to learn, and I was able to learn it. Um, Everything from learning basic editing to how to have a monologue on audio and interviews and And being able to talk to the people in this industry here in Houston and uh, anywhere else that I'm able to get them to call me in from to tell their stories and to get the attention that they deserve for the work that they're doing. Um, You know, I've said this many times throughout this uh, podcast, and that is that unless you have a a publicist, it doesn't seem like anybody cares what you do. And all the glory goes to a few people that have publicists, that have relationships with all magazines and newspapers and all that. That's great and wonderful. But the thing is, is the perception becomes that those are the only people doing the good work. And that is far from the truth. I can tell you without a doubt from my experience here in Houston, that some of the people getting all the glory do not deserve it. And... They do good work, but not the way that is perceived. And from having the, 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 uh, the fortune of, uh, in previous years, to visit different markets, to go to conventions and talk to, to people from other uh, markets, other cities, other states, um, it's the same thing there. So the purpose of this was to give some of those people a space and, and exposure that they deserve. Because they slave and uh, they give um, just the same, and many times even more than those that you're reading about on your local newspaper, on magazines, on state magazines, on you know, you're hearing on the media or whatever other publication is out there that is telling you best, you know, 10 best bartenders to look for and, and all that. There's a hundred of them. And if you look at those those articles, it's the same 10 or maybe a rotation of 12. <laughs> but there's hundreds of them that are just as talented, creative, intelligent, learned, you know, educated into the subject. So again, that said, um, I think I've achieved my uh, purpose in this podcast. So I got a few more episodes and then I'm going to end it. What's going to happen after that, I'm not sure. Um, the objective is to start uh, either another podcast or a podcast on YouTube. Uh, I do really like the audio aspect of this. I love radio. So doing a podcast as a radio show is something that I thoroughly enjoy. Um, and um, and so we'll have to see. But the uh, 2021, I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it's going to bring. Uh, there's going to be some uh, positive changes that I'm going to uh, share with you, and uh, and that's it. That is going to be it. Um, it's going to be. It's going to have some great highlights. If you have a smart device, you can listen on Alexa. Um, you can ask for the open bar experience also we have our own website which is openbar.space and check us out also on your favorite app whether it is iheartradio tune in uh, stitcher or apple Podcasts. check it out the open bar experience remember take care of yourself take care of each other and keep the conversation going